So welcome to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast. By me, Pat Runners. For me, Pat Runners. I'm Anthony. And I'm Thane. And this episode is about the Bob Graham Round Recce. Or the not Bob Graham Round Recce. So really, it's about extracting positives. This is Runners on Trail. Episode 16. So welcome back to Runners on Trail and in this episode we're going to talk about our trip to the Lake District where we'd planned to do a recce of the Bob Graham Round Route. Yes, it didn't go quite according to plan. Didn't really, did it? And we're going to talk about what happened and try and draw from that the positives that we took from it not going as we wanted to. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about it here. We recorded some stuff on the trip but not as much as we'd like to have. Potentially due to some of the issues that we were having while we were getting round the Lake District. It was a bit wet. Very wet and quite windy. And a little bit windy. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit and windy. And a lot of fun. And a lot of fun. And, and I guess that's the point that we're going to try and get from this episode is how to be happy with your training and what you're doing, whatever happens. Yes, and making the most of a bad situation. Yes. There's always things you can learn. Correct. So yeah, our plan was to go up to Lake District and do a recce of the Bob Graham Round. The Bob Graham Round is split into five legs, uh, which effectively each leg is a half marathon uh, in distance. Leg one is Keswick to Threkeld. Leg two, Threkeld to Dunmill Rays. Uh, then Dunmill Rays to Wasdale. Wasdale to Honister. And then Honister back to Keswick. So each of those legs is about a half marathon, which means in total the Bob Graham round is 66 miles. 66 miles-ish, um, with 26,000 foot of climb. Lots. Yes. 42 peaks in total. So we travelled up on the Thursday and stopped at the youth hostel in Keswick. And just very briefly, I haven't stopped in the youth hostel for years. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like being in a hotel. Yeah. It's not, it's, not, it's not the youth hostels of my youth, I can tell you that. Yeah, I was really impressed with the Edale Youth Hostel as well before Spine. So, yeah, equally, they were, they've all upgraded a lot since I started using them, what, 30 years ago. I mean, we had a, we had a, effectively a twin room. It was a bunk bed, but it was effectively still a twin room, ensuite, really good bar, nice food. It's fantastic. And, it? a, and a balcony. A balcony! <laughs> What's going on? And I think our conversation went along the lines of, crikey, I'd rather stay here than a hotel. Yes, yeah, exactly. about a third of the price. Yes, exactly. Really good. We got up on the Friday morning to do the first two legs. Dropped off our other kit, sort of the stuff we travelled up in, in the youth hostel. And I chat with Jess, who was the on-duty staff in the youth hostel. She'd done the Bob Graham. And in sort of times that I think we think of doing it in 23, just over 23 hours. Mm-hmm. She seemed to think what we were doing was perfectly sensible and reasonable. We'd had a look at weather forecast. We had a quick chat with her about it. But I don't think there was any indication from her that she, what she thought we were doing was foolish or foolhardy or, or wrong. No. Which I think gave us great heart that, you know, this seemed to be a sensible thing that, you know, it was, do you have people looking at you going, you're doing what? You know, this seemed fairly sensible. I suspect other people go out and do the similar thing too. Yeah. And the weather forecast we knew wasn't great. It was like district weather. Indeed. And, and therefore we had taken pretty much everything we would need to be safe. Yeah. And you and I have got a fair amount of experience in working in mountainous and cold weather conditions. And so I think we both felt equipped from a skills point of view to make sure that we could make the right judgment calls not become a stat and if the worst came to the worst be absolutely safe and happy 
buried in a snowdrift somewhere on the mountain, keeping nice and warm until it was time to come down again. Absolutely. And I think that's important before you even start out somewhere is to make sure that, you know, there's nothing wrong with pushing the edges a little bit. But the last thing you want to do is end up having to call out mountain rescue to come and Absolutely. get you. It's not good for them. It's not good for you. Effectively, you know, this wasn't a race. There was no one looking after us. There was no race director. We had to be making those decisions for ourselves, yeah. as anyone does when they're going into the hills on their own or without kind of external support. Yeah. And and so that what that brought with it was fairly heavy packs, which wasn't brilliant. No. But it was what it had to be. We yes. couldn't, at that point, doing it the way we were doing it, we couldn't have done it differently. And we knew running with them was going to be a challenge, but we really had no option. We needed to have the, that equipment with us. Correct. And we, sent our, we set off with gusto. We did. Up Skidor. So we're walking up the first big climb on our Recky the Bob Graham Round route. It's a bit windy, but pretty clear. And down below us, I can see the lake and the boathouse. We're kind of saying my trail running journey started together because it's where the start for the Scarfell Pike Trail Marathon is. And that's, that's what we did for a qualifier for Transylvania. Oh, it's almost three years ago. It's an amazing journey since beautiful up here today clouds fairly high so it's a bit breezy but it's not raining yet I'm sure it will be later uh, disadvantage of doing something like this is the size of the pack you've got to bring you know it's uh, <clears throat> for safety reasons you're on your own and also we're going for three days so got all our food for three days and uh, safety kit make sure whatever happens we'll be fine if the worst comes to the worst up on the mountains so I reckon our pack's probably very similar with all the food around 9 maybe 10 kilos which isn't brilliant but uh, it's alright you know <coughs> splitting this down into legs only doing two a day for the first few days and one on the last day isn't so bad Still a long way to go, though. First thing I learned was, so I've got a new GPS unit, Garmin E-Tracks, which I'm going to use for Felsman and things like that, where you don't have a marked route and you've got to nab yourself around. Of course, when you've got something like that, you can't use two poles because you're trying to hold your Garmin in one hand, really, or trying to use it and have it there is quite difficult if you've got poles in your hands. And I wanted it in my hand so I could use it and play with it and look at it. So that was an interesting lesson learned as we started out, was how you, you don't have three hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started up Skidore. And I think just the easiest way to say is we literally got four seasons in the next hour and a half. Yes. Two, two hours. We went from sunny to windy to torrential downpour to horizontal 50 mile an hour hail to snow. It was pretty big weather. Yeah. Ultimately, very limited visibility. Yeah. We're down to about 100, 200 yards on Not top. Not that, I don't think. And extremely windy. Yeah. I mean, it was proper gale force winds on the top of Skidor. Yeah. On the way up, the weather, as I said, was bad. Uh, my waterproof gloves had a complete blowout and basically filled with water, completely leaked, uh, which was really disappointing because I'd taken them. They were thick gloves. They were quite heavy, but I'd taken them specially because I <laughs> wanted to make sure my hands stayed dry. 
And so my fingertips got very cold. On top of that, I was wearing a brand new pair of waterproof socks, which I think genuinely stayed waterproof, but there was so much water running down my legs because I didn't put my waterproofs on to start with that the water literally filled up the socks, from just drained into mm. the socks and my feet just turned to blocks of ice. Mm-hmm. And there was this bit, you know, it's quite unnerving. You're, you're a hour and a half into what should be a two and a half day trip. And I sat there and thought, this is not good. I don't feel comfortable at all. Mm-hmm. And I suspect I didn't look comfortable either. Yeah. And, and I think you were putting on clothes as the weather was changing, weren't we? There was a little bit of trying to stay ahead of the weather a little bit. And you changed into your buffalo top. Yeah. I changed into the my heavier gear option quite quickly, I think, I thought it was going to get quite bad up top uh, and I didn't want to be going for a layered system anymore because you could see it was going to get really cold. The layered system on my top worked fine. Mm. Uh, but as I said, it, so we got to the top of Skiddle and as we said, the weather was so bad, well, you were literally being blown over. Yeah, so we were leaning heavily into the wind, like but we when, the gusts were the com- when the gusts were coming through, um, we were having to get down on the floor um, on all fours uh, for fear of being blown over and then rolling across the rocks. There's quite a lot of you know, shoebox-sized rocks around and things. Yeah. Uh, it didn't look like it was going to be comfortable. Uh, and that's when we had our minute of discussion, wasn't it, about what are we going to do? Yeah. And we weren't expecting... We knew it was, wasn't going to be great, but we didn't expect from the weather forecast, which was predicting like 40 mile an hour gusts, Correct. for it to be that extreme yeah. that we couldn't literally stand up. Yeah. And we knew we weren't going to get shelter for a little period. And it was like, well, do we carry on? On the knowledge we were going to go down yeah. and then go up again. Um, but we had like 17 or so peaks to do um, about whether we carry on or whether we just go back now. Well, I think we also knew that some of the peaks are much more exposed mm. and all, you know, sort of knife edgy style peaks. And if you got blown around on those, you could literally go over the edge yeah. of, a, of a cliff. Uh, I changed my socks at this point and gone for a, another pair of waterproof socks with a thin pair of socks underneath. My feet were much better. My hands were still quite cold. And... You know, discretion is the better part of valour. Yeah. What we didn't have at that point, though, was a contingency plan for what we do with the rest of our weekend if we stopped. And this was peak one. It felt like we were, you know, do we give up now? And I think the lack of that contingency plan Mm. didn't help our decision-making process. However short we made it, and we made it quite quick, the difficulty, I know in my head, was, well, what do we do if we don't do it? Yeah. I mean, we had a rough contingency that we would do something, but not enough of a contingency that we knew exactly what we would do. But we decided after about a minute that this was mad. Yes. Yeah. And let's get off this hill. Yeah. And it's not just that you're going up to a peak and then coming straight down again. For a lot of the day, we were going to be up at altitude, going from peak to peak. And effectively, it's one long peak, leg two. Yeah. So we pegged it down to Keswick. Got into Keswick, I went into Cotswold Outdoor to buy a pair of buffalo gloves, the same as Thane's, because he swears by them, and I thought that's what I should go for. They didn't have my size, but very nicely referred me to Needle Sports down the road. Went down in there, had a great chat with a guy called Edward um, about glove options. He agreed buffaloes probably would work for what I was trying to do. Uh, and then also recommended a map to us um, when we just explained that we were going to have to replan our weekend. Because yeah. the, we had the Bob Graham map, but the Bob Graham map only covers the exact route. If you're going to do something off route, then you needed something else. Yeah, and it was the area in the middle that we knew we needed. So we sold us a waterproof map, which is very nice of him. And we decided to then plan a low-level transit to our where we were staying that night, which was a B&B called Ray's Cottage at Dunwell Ray's, effectively at the end of leg two. Yes. And you planned it, because you're the orienteer. And, <laughs> and that was the interesting bit, is, you know, if you're 
a runner and you're running races and you're using a GPX file and a route on a GPX file, that's great. I, I can meet, read a map, it's absolutely fine. But it would never be my, I would never use it as my primary nav source. Mm. It would always be my backup. Whereas mm. quite often in the past, you've gone for map is your primary with GPS as your backup because yeah. of your background. Yeah. So, and interesting there, we, we, there was a couple of options of routes we could take and we took advice from locals. So we went into a shop and said, look, we think we want to go over here, but it's been a lot of snow melt. Do you think this is passable? And they quite clearly said, no, yeah, yeah. we will not be able to make it across there. It'll that is too and, wet. Yeah. That will be impassable. So as much as you want to put all your trust in the map, um, there are limits and nothing will trump probably local knowledge of what it's like. And that happened again later in the yes, weekend. Exactly. Uh, local knowledge coming, uh, playing a big part. Um, so we decided we would really take the kind of low level route around the lakes to get to Ray's Cottage. So here we are. Uh, where are we? Exactly. Uh-huh. Top of Thirlmere Thil- Lake. That's the one, yeah. Having got down to Keswick and me having bought some buffalo gloves, so my fingers don't get cold anymore, uh, we were going to just run around the lake and then Dane had a good suggestion that we just try a lower route over to where we're going to be staying tonight. And take some rice from the great people, in fact, in a variety of shops in Keswick are all fantastic. Fine people. Okay. Fine people. And having bought my gloves from I had some great advice to people in Cotswold, but they didn't have my size, so they sent me down to Needles. And we had a great chat with Edward, who was really great. Mm. Clearly knows the area, and um, really good advice on, on the gloves and stuff. Really interesting to know what shoes we were wearing. That's right. What down on gear he wasn't selling in the shop, and what we thought of it. So, um, that was good. And now, having taken advice from another shop, we've taken a sort of really low, literally, um, lake-level route uh, through. Uh, the wind, I don't know if you can hear it, is picked up it's been on and off so with some fairly strong winds i'm kind of glad we didn't over the top in the end you know even if it, when we came running down we thought it might have got a lot better it looked a little bit better didn't it it was sunny yeah <laughs> it didn't feel <laughs> so windy it didn't feel so yeah. windy but it's been on and off blowing quite hard today and i think on top it would have been oh, quite dodgy mm. cowberry's caramel egg yeah awesome i've got the normal egg mm. they are they are bombs of delight yeah but it's beautiful, mm. and it's so nice to be outside. I know we're not necessarily trail running. No. Nope. But, you know what? A bad day in the hills is better. Than, <laughs> it's far better than a good day in the office. Yeah, any day in the hills is better than a day in the office. Right. It is so beautiful up here in the Lake District. Mm. It's just stunning everywhere you look, isn't it? Yeah. So, after several detours... Uh, owing to there have been some extreme winds and it's blown trees down and they've shut sort of paths and shut parts of roads and all sorts of things. And they're building a pipeline of some sort. And they're building a pipeline from Thurl near Reservoir to Carlisle or a few other places. There's been again a few diversions. We are finally alongside the stunning Thurl Reservoir. It's very pretty. It is. Uh, and in fact it's pretty all around us. Uh, the ridge we were supposed to be on is up on the left. Yeah. And it looks all right, I guess. You know. Yeah. yeah. And there's still clearly quite a lot of wind. You can see the speed of clouds going past that. We're lucky we're fairly sheltered here. I still think we made the right decision. Yep. Coming off the ridge this morning. Um, you know, if we'd known it was going to be like this, maybe we could have carried on, but we didn't know that. And yeah. Anyway. 
the wind hasn't abated. In fact, the wind forecast only had it getting stronger. So Correct, yeah. I'm sure Should it's we? pretty grim up there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And it's about five, six miles to our B&B. <laughs> I think we're quite just looking forward to getting there, getting cleaned up, having a rest and considering what we might do tomorrow morning. Uh, the weather's supposed to be even worse tomorrow, so some big decisions to make, I think. Yeah, I think the gusts were forecast uh, up to 60 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. And today they were only forecast up to about 40. It was definitely more than 40 at the top this morning. Yeah, it felt like hanging on to the outside of a plane. And we would know that because we've both skydived. Exactly, so there you go. Uh, yeah, but it's a beautiful day. And it's nice to be out with you, mate. Oh! I know! You say the nicest thing. I do. You're absolutely Happy right. Happy darling. <laughs> so, we've uh, got to the end of the reservoir. And we're now on the last little leg of our walk towards uh, our place to stay for the night. Uh, which should actually intersect with the route we should have taken today. Uh, we could have walked along the road, but Thane has decided that we should uh, walk along the path instead that's covered in streams and sheep shit and mud. Uh, you understand if I get much more muddy, I'm going to, you know, I'll try not to remind you too much that we could have just gone along the road, right? Enough already! <laughs> My word! So moany, moany, moanyitis! You realise we could have gone on the road, right? Yeah, God's sake! <laughs> so what are the positives we can take from you know, the nightmare of day one well if my gloves had had a blowout during the Felsman it would have been really bad mm. now I'm going to have the Buffalo gloves so that's a positive right yep. I also got to test my GPS out so that was great that was a positive and, and the, the tracks clearly worked and that helped me feel comfortable with what I was doing there's also a positive I think in making the right decisions mm. feeling that when it all starts to go wrong, you're able to sensibly compartmentalise for a few minutes just to think about the set the options and making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think the positive there was that we didn't push on mm. in a dodgy situation. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately we made the call that, ex- weirdly, you'd think that if you've got experience, you can push on. Mm. Actually, it was our experience that told us we shouldn't push on and we should just cut and go. Yeah. Uh, inexperience might have led us to carrying on. And that's not to say that when we were coming down from Skidor back to Keswick that we weren't feeling negative. I was feeling a bit defeated. Yes. And in my head going, cracky, had just done the spine, for goodness sake. Didn't even make more than one peak. Um, Although you said that the weather on top of the Skidor was worse than you'd experience on the spine. The wind was certainly, um, was certainly windier. At no point was I having to uh, hold on to the ground to stir my feet. Um, but there's that difference isn't it uh, uh, typically in those races you're going up and coming down your low level for a period we that was never going to be the case today no. so there was a coming to terms with the reality of the situation the reality that we did have to look after ourselves completely um, and therefore we had to be had to be sensible yeah and therefore we orientated the weekend in a slightly different direction yeah and so we transited over to to race cottage done race interesting we met someone en route as we went round uh, Thirlmere Reservoir yeah who had gone up to Helvellyn which is one of the other peaks in those in section 2 
she described the conditions there and they were exactly as we'd had on Skiddle. So it wasn't going to have been a one-off where you were going to have been experiencing that all day. Yes. And that would have been pretty miserable. Absolutely. And for safety as well, when we were speaking to the owners of Dunmill Rays, pointing out that it's quite easy to get blown off the top of Helvellyn if you're not careful. There is a bit of a steep edge to it and it has happened to people. So, so look, and, and do you know what the other positive? We got to have a good chat and walk along. So we'd have probably done that, I guess, if we'd done the other route. But it was nice. And, and as I said, we got to test out all the rest of our kit and also start to realise that the weight of our packs was going to have an impact on the rest of our weekend. Yeah, they were effectively too heavy, I think, to run with. Yes, I could probably have run for a couple of miles from mine, but I wouldn't want to run for much more yeah, than that. There was, it wasn't going to be possible to run 50% of the Bob Graham round with packs at that weight, especially in boggy conditions. It was going to be a trek. Yeah. And that was becoming very apparent. And so we got to Dunmore Ray's uh, and Ray's Cottage, which used to be a British mountaineering club bunkhouse, I think. But it's been taken yes. over by Philip and, and Sam. And Sam and the conversion he's done upstairs. The rooms are absolutely lovely. Yes. Really are. Really, really. I, re- you know, we were, couldn't recommend it more. We clearly couldn't go down to the local village and stuff, or we could, we could have walked two and a half miles, but we didn't have any, a car or anything like that. They happily cooked us dinner, cooked us a fab dinner. I, I, I haven't felt that full for a long <laughs> time. Uh, really didn't charge us a lot of money for it. And yeah, they were just a lovely couple and we had a really lovely evening. Yeah, yeah. We, we ate with them. Yeah. Dining room table with uh, another guest as well. And it was really lovely, really lovely evening. And so if you're thinking of going around it, there is no youth hostel there, but Ray's Cottage, it's it's fantastic. Yes. And literally only half a mile off the bog around room. If that. Half a mile, yeah, if that. So over that night and to be fair, the following morning we were planning what we were going to do. The weather forecast was set to be worse than it was on the first day. It was going to be windier um, yep. and wetter. Yeah. And, and leg three and four are arguably the hardest two legs. It takes uh, the forecast for 23 hour round is 11 and, 11 and a half hours, 11 and a half hours two, for yeah. two fifths of the route. The navigation is, I think, slightly harder as well. So in discussion with, with Philip and using his local knowledge, we proposed that we were going to be doing the first four peaks, but then bailing off down to Borrowdale. And he said, honestly, it's it's wet at the top of Steel Fell in the summer when it's dry. And his assessment was the conditions were going to be just impassable. Uh, the snow, recent snow melt and the continuing rain that day uh, meant it wasn't going to be possible to make that route. So we looked at the options. We decided to take uh, go up a valley, take in Calf Crag, uh, and then make our way across a fairly kind of flattish area um, and then down the other side into Borrowdale. Yeah. And, you know, it was obvious when we looked out the window that morning, one, it was absolutely hammering it down with rain. And then as you looked up at Steel Fell, the hillside effectively that had been just a hillside the day before was now covered in rivers and streams pouring off of it, which probably should have made us realise how the morning was going to develop a little bit. But we took the map and this time we had the contingency plan that if we couldn't make it where we were going, we'd simply turn around and go back to Ray's Cottage. Uh, we knew they had availability that night and we would just go back there and stay there instead. And having that contingency plan in the back of our heads, or at least the back of my head, I know, made me feel much more confident about going forward. All I did all the time was think, can I go backwards still? Yes. Can I still go backwards? As long as I could still go backwards to where I've been, I felt completely happy. Yeah, yeah. We had much more contingency plans set aside for this day and what we could do. Now, the thing that 
we've talked about and Thane's talked about is that local knowledge can be really invaluable when it comes to doing these things. What you shouldn't forget is that a map can only tell you a story on a day when the map's made. What it can't do is cover every contingency. And a huge amount of water that was coming down from the sky and also from meltwater had made a lot of the streams that were on the map a lot wider. Yes. And had turned paths and gullies that were normally dry into streams. And so a lot of the passing points and crossing points of streams became unpassable. Yes. Because of the volume of water there. And so we had to then rethink how we were going to follow our route that on paper looked fine, but in practical terms was impossible to follow. Yeah. So a route that provisionally um, would have taken probably an hour and a half took us two and a quarter hours, so an extra 45 minutes. And that was mostly spent trying to find ways past and around. So we had to detour a long way off of the path to get past areas which were completely boggy and there's no way you could walk across them. So taking long detours and then trying to cross streams higher up the hillside. Yes. So literally counting off the tributaries to make sure that the main flow was smaller when we passed it. Yes, exactly. And, it, you know, we got to the point where we were doing full-on jumping river crossings where one of us was jumping across, the other one was throwing the bags across, and then the other one was jumping across and with big run-ups and everything to get us across them. Now, I never felt it was unsafe. It would just have no. been uncomfortable if you'd landed in the cold water, but... It, couldn't have been much wider we wouldn't have managed it and certainly some of the rivers we, as you said we had to just climb the hillside to step over the streams to then go back down the hillside to keep going again. yeah and we were being boxed in on one side weren't we uh, and there was a discussion about you know it, it could be that we can't actually cross this stream safely and we might now have no option have to but go to go back yeah but do you know what the positives i took from that was one all of our kit at that point felt pretty bomb proof mm. i think we were kind of aware we were getting a bit wet but didn't feel cold, didn't yeah. feel uncomfortable, and that yeah. was fine. We weren't lost. We knew what we were doing. And it just felt, felt like a nice kind of bit of an adventure. Yeah. And I was really enjoying it, to be fair. Yeah. All the way up to Calf's Crag, and then where you shot a bit of a video of me getting battered to pieces <laughs> by the weather. And then we started on our route down to Burradale. Yeah. And where shortly after that, we made a bit of a nav error. And the reason for that, of course, is we weren't following a GPX track or anything. We were navigating using the map and our GPS and compasses. And we just simply took a wrong path. Yeah. And then followed, using the GPS, followed the path. Yeah. And, and after about half an hour, you turned around and said, I'm not sure this is right. Yeah. The contours were, even though we we'd put we were taking the map out and putting it away because we were having to use our hands quite a lot for poles and getting over things. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a, it was one of the big ordnance survey maps. We couldn't hold it easily in our hands. And we um, certainly couldn't have, couldn't have planned that route without having a map. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they just didn't feel like we were, we were on route anymore and it was, we were heading into too higher ground. Yeah. Or too steeper ground. Rather. Yes. Um, and in fairness, we were following something that was on the GPS. Yes. But, but wasn't an actual feature on the ground. It was more of a boundary mark and there was the occasional post, but that wasn't where we should have been. Yes. Um, and, and that, in part, that's, we learned there that actually there is a, a lot of value in having a compass in your hand. Correct. Have it, having various devices and, and approaches and skills at your disposal is what provides you with the assurance and safety to make sure you're going the right way. And it was actually good to get back into doing some map skills. Although, to be fair, it showed you also the benefits of a GPS because trying to use the map in 50 mile an hour winds was really difficult. Yeah, we're having to keep putting it away all the time. So 
in some ways, getting lost was good because it taught us other things. It yeah. Put other brought other skills into bear. So then we came back down and, and again got ourselves back on route. Another positive I'll take from this going forward is to make sure that your water bottles and everything else are well secured into your pack <laughs> after I dropped one of your very expensive Japanese flasks into a stream slash damn river you, damn you. Um, and it disappeared. Um, that said, you learned to tie your compass properly on as you tried to throw your bag across the stream and your compass landed in the stream. But luckily, in a small eddy, we managed to fish it back out. And tied quickly. it onto the right part of my chest strap. Especially <laughs> when I did the undid the chest so let's strap. Take some scuba. Both got lessons learned from yeah. that. So that is the thing. If you're, if you're throwing your kit across the stream, make sure it's all well tied in and well tied down before you do that. <laughs> what else? Uh, having the walking poles was quite useful and positive. In testing the depth of streams and mm. things as we were walking across them. We were wearing waterproof socks, so it wasn't too uncomfortable crossing, but you didn't want the water to go above the height of your waterproof sock because that yeah. made it super uncomfortable. And also just the general bogginess of the ground. If it looked like it was actually, you know, it was mossy, but you couldn't really tell whether it was kind of over-floating water or yeah. going to get really deep, you just prod your sticks in. in Although that you. said, you could, you could have done with baskets on the bottom of your poles because yeah. they were sinking in where you wouldn't sink in oh, just because they were too narrow. Yeah, and occasionally they went in about two foot into the ground and then... I, I've unfortunately bent another set of poles. <laughs> still on, still on the search for that search for elusive, elusive poles. poles. So look, we started then down to Burrow Dunners, and I guess the bit that's for me when we finished at Calves Crag mm. after two and a quarter hours, I reckon it was going to take us about an hour and three quarters to get down to Burrowdale. And okay, we got a little bit lost and came back, but even then, it still took us a lot longer. We were trying to climb down what effectively worked paved you know in terms of um flag flagstones paths that just became uh, so yeah. it was like trying to climb down a slide yeah and it, yeah it was flag mixture of flagstones it was it was those kind of steps yeah um they were really slippery area. yeah my secondly color sts were brilliant on the boggy ground mm. but weren't so good on uh rocks as we found as i fell at one point so again positives from that well i've learned that those shoes Aren't the sh- I would never go and do the bog going around in those shoes again. Yeah. I'd have to take something that was that worked on soft ground, but also could work on the rocks. Yeah, they're very aggressive and worked well on the soft ground. Yeah, worked really well on the soft ground. They probably worked well on Felsman. Yeah, yeah. But um, not good on rocky ground. Wet rock, wet rock in particular. And the reason we took so long was the water on that side was arguably even worse it, just because it was narrower and there, there was a lot of water coming in from both sides yeah so there was a lot of times where the the proper crossing point yeah on the map was just not crossable yes the, the stream had turned there were some points there where it definitely had turned into a river yes absolutely uh, and yeah so you, if you could you, we could wade it across but you didn't want to do that and make yourself that uncomfortable no and also in some some of those places where you could have crossed it would have been quite dangerous because if you had lost your footing you were just about to go down two foot onto other rocks below yes and it makes you look at the landscape a bit more Mm. makes you think about things and how the landscape and topography works Mm. and I think that's always good from a safety perspective understanding what's going on with nature yeah but also it was just nice to do that as well I quite enjoyed doing that yeah but it did rain a lot it did it did and we didn't see anybody all day out on hills nobody at all yeah and by the time we got to Burrowdale, yeah, we were completely soaked. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I couldn't really tell I was soaked. No. So my waterproof socks, the water had eventually got inside them, but my feet were warm. It didn't feel like they were wet. Yeah, it felt like our feet were dry, didn't it? If it yeah. did to me, now 
half of my socks were dry and half of my they were they were quite damp on the bottom yeah. but they didn't feel damp when I was wearing them my, yeah. my, I could have sworn well, my feet were, were dry you thought mine were soaked but yeah. I didn't feel wet yeah. and again my I was wearing a technical hoodie mm. and my waterproof jacket which I'd re-waterproofed just before this trip mm. I was wearing brand new Alkit parallax trousers which have got a 20,000 millimetre hydrostatic head waterproofness and everything was soaked through I mean it was yeah. there was nowhere we were staying dry that day but yeah. we were warm yeah. and comfortable yes yeah I think from the socks perspective it's the fact that you've not got okay the water might have got in or they might be quite damp but water wasn't flushing through all the time correct uh, and therefore it acted more like a wetsuit than it would have done if you didn't have those and every time we put our feet in the water which is basically every step <laughs> well, it was, you have water your, the, just the flowing we through your socks. We're, we're, some of the paths we were following were just streams I, I think you stopped us at one point to say look Thane look 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 this hundred yards is dry I did yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word we had, we had to yeah had to have a laugh because it was about the driest bit of path we'd had all day yeah hundred yards so there you go, down to Barrow Youth Hostel, another fantastic youth hostel. Yes. With yeah. the world's biggest drying room. Yeah. So a lot of my waterproof bags that I tested before we went on this trip, and I tested them by filling them with water, mm. and they hadn't leaked, mm. had still managed to leak water. And so we ended up sat at the bar, uh, me and my pair of sort of tracksuit bottoms and a thick sort of Arcteryx hoodie and nothing else, because I had everything else was wet. Fame was in his thermal underwear. <laughs> and nothing else left. <laughs> and, and a t-shirt. But the interesting thing is you couldn't do that in a hotel, but you can do it somewhere like a youth hostel where everybody's in the same boat and they're all doing the same thing. And the, yeah. the, the state of the drying room showed that everyone else would been out, or people would go out in that weather and would get wet. And it didn't matter at all. Yeah. And it was great to talk to them and get some of their experience. Yes, yeah. And, and we had a nice meal and we spent the evening talking to people. Um, a number of them were runners or walkers. But what the good thing was, especially when you go to places like the Lake District and youth hostels, is that everyone's there more or less to, to do an adventure of some description a hike a run uh, I spoke to a guy Mitch who was doing photography and there's a number of photographers there but they were doing photography in the mountains and so we had loads of really interesting conversations with what a dozen people that evening yeah uh, understanding what other people were doing and that was that was really nice and it became like most of these things it's not just the task of what you're doing isn't it? it's the people you meet along the way in their journeys and I think a lot of this trip was meeting other people and having you know human experiences with, with other people and bumping into them and oh what do you do oh that's really interesting and just expanding your kind of knowledge and things and I think swapping stories of the weather and things again was, was useful from an experience point of view mm. so we're sat here at the bar of the youth hostel in Bordeaux and it's you know very different from the one in Keswick, which if I, I'd almost, you know, this one feels more country feel, whereas yeah, the one in Keswick yeah. felt more town feel. And yeah, it's yeah, not surprising really. More family and, yeah. Um, which is unsurprising really. And um, uh, and it's lovely though. Good beer, mm-hmm. nice dinner. Mm-hmm. But now we're sat here thinking about what had happened today. I mean, and, and there'll be no recordings of the stuff today because it was just, the, the, the weather was torrential. I mean, just torrential rain Too all day. Too wet and, yeah. High winds and, but all of our, we got through it, all of our kit, you know, mm-hmm. we got soaked through, but we were still warm. Yep. Um, and what should have taken us three and a half hours took us six. Yes. You know. Yeah. But there you go. Constantly rerouting, trying to find our way across. Yeah. Um, and but what, was, what was interesting was also the nav, wasn't it? So what we did learn quite a lot about was navigation and, and picking our way across different routes, but still maintaining on course. And it was a combination of yeah we had GPS but we had maps compasses so sometimes we were shooting a compass bearing 
um, a lot of the time, a lot of the time reading getting grid references off the GPS to look at the map and work out where we should be going yeah. and then referencing that back to the tracks we could see on the GPS yeah. and then using the GPS for the next bit of the, yeah. the leg and then cross-referencing back to the map again which was really <laughs> useful and if we hadn't had the map yeah I guess we could generally see toast. 500 metres so it wasn't really close yeah. fizz but we were having to constantly go off route to get around yeah. and I think a lot of the paths streams and stuff a so. lot of the paths that the map said were paths yeah. were just you couldn't tell that between another bit of ground. If yeah, you hadn't yeah, had yeah. the GPS to tell you where the path was supposed to be, you would never yeah. have known. So it was a good kit check as well. Yeah, really good kit check. My new Buffalo gloves um, were fantastic today. <laughs> I mean, I got soaked, but my fingers never got cold, so that was brilliant. And then tomorrow we've got to decide what to do. Indeed. Your, your knees are My knees are right, so I'm, I'm struggling a bit, and I think, although I started okay, I've had tendinitis, which I've not completely got rid of, and I think my suspicion is that that and some tight muscles in my calves from spine is throwing my knee off of centre and I'm I'm okay on the flats and not too bad going uphill but coming downhill is especially on steeper ground is really troubling just raising my knee high enough whether actually we um we just take a low level route because it's still going to be quite cold and very windy tomorrow it's going to be colder tomorrow but colder today, but colder we're thinking logistically we might um, just head back to Keswick sensibly. Um, yeah. If we'd done one, two, three and four, we would definitely do five, but as, as, we, as we haven't anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and, that, and that just shows, you know, you, you, you talk about the bog going around and it being difficult, and of course it's difficult, for goodness sake. But in six hours today, we effectively did two peaks of what it's supposed to yeah. be, however many it's supposed to be today, ridiculous number. Well, the legs three and four together are about 26 miles, which yeah. is basically about a marathon-ish, and we did, we don't know exactly, but probably about eight well, miles. So in six hours, I mean, that's just, it was just horrendous. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, heavier packs, and, you know, we are just in kind of, um, I wouldn't say survival mode, but we are in heavy, heavy hill-walking, bad weather mode. Yeah. They're really not, I mean, it's so stunning up there. Oh, I, mean, I still keep going on about it, I know, but it is so the, nice. The, the views are amazing, and all the photos we've taken just really don't use because mostly they're yeah. covered in <laughs> mist and <laughs> snow, and, snow and, and hail and other stuff. But I've never seen, all the time I've been to the Lake District, which isn't loads, but my parents lived, used to live up near the Lake District and been up here a reasonable amount. I've never seen so much water. It probably gets worse, I know, but even so, there's a lot of water because there was been snow melt. Yeah. Well, snow that's melted on top of then just rain, a continuous rain really. Um, yeah, extremely wet ground. Anyway, we're going to enjoy some beer and go to bed. Yeah, one point three. There might be one more. There might be one more. Maybe some whiskey. Some good whiskey here. Oh yeah. Come on to shorts actually. Come and stay at the youth hostel at Burrard. They've got a good whiskey. Yeah. Extremely good value. Yeah, it's great value. The huge positive for me for that day was that despite how at the end being wet got a little bit boring over six hours it never really felt that we weren't in control Mm. of our own destiny and and that we weren't going to make it however long it took us and however carefully we took it because we did we tested kit we tested navigation we put cookies in a cookie jar for wet weather and how bad it can be we put cookies in a cookie jar for windy conditions so there's a lot of things that could easily come into play on Felsman if the weather were like that that actually you can look back on those lessons learned memories and go yeah I've done this I know how to deal with this 
the one thing I think I've taken from it is I didn't drink very much the whole day. I don't know if it was because I was just so wet on the outside, I didn't really wet on the inside. Well, you lost half of it anyway. Well, I did lose the flask as well, yeah, all right. <laughs> but I, I think overall, I should have drunk more liquid that day. You, know, you do dehydrate, and sometimes there is a bit where I've said to you, you've just got to force yourself to do it. Yeah. So yes, don't forget to drink when it's wet and cold, because you still need to drink. So that evening then we were planning what we were going to do on day three. Uh, the plan Which would was have been. leg five. Which, to be fair, had, I think, three peaks in it and then uh, a long run in then down the hillside to Keswick. Um, over the course of the previous two days, I had issues developing in my left knee. I think it was post-spine where I had some tendonitis and basically some strains in my calves still, which were working out. And it just kind of, I don't know, going up and downhill just pulled my knee off a bit and I was really struggling bending it. And, and it seemed a bit unnecessary to force ourselves to do leg five and the weather still wasn't great uh, and there was snow coming in it was a lot colder that day when actually you're doing that on top of an injury on a training run when you've got a race in six weeks time uh, and then logistically we needed to get back to Bristol really uh, and if I was doing an injury and coming downhill slowly it might have taken more time so anyway that we thought no what we're going to do is we're going to go low level uh, we'll get back to Keswick um, not injure ourselves in any way or me anymore and then and then just head back. And when we got to Keswick, I was quite glad that we had made that decision because my knee had got worse. And actually, if we'd gone up and over leg five, I'd have made a bad situation worse. Probably. And, and that yeah, was not a sensible thing to do. So it's day three of our little adventure in the Lake District. Kane's uh, knee's giving him loads of chip today. And I've got a few bangs and bruises from where I took a bit of a fall yesterday. Managed to uh, tear one of my brand new buffalo gloves. It's a bit of a disappointment, but it's not their fault. My fault for slipping over and falling over. Down a set of rocks into a big stream. I was so wet at the time that it didn't really make a difference how wet I was, which at least was one good thing. And so we're now taking the uh, low level route today along the Cumbria Way from the Youth Hostel in Burrowdale back to Keswick to get the car. What have we learned so far? I guess one of the things is that if you want to come out here and do this sort of recce, one of the main problems you're going to get is the amount of kit you have to carry to keep you safe and to get you through several days. If you're trying to be self-sufficient, Effectively, we were, apart from staying in the youth hostels, but in terms of food on every day, we weren't buying it each day. We were just we brought it all this from the beginning. Safety kit for the mountains, sleeping bags and stuff, just in case we got caught up there. You end up carrying quite a lot of kit, and uh, that effectively changes the dynamics of your adventure from one of proper running to one that's maybe a bit more walking. Ah which of course slows you down and then affects how much you can do in a day. So, interesting. I think if I came up and tried to do it again, I'd look to see if there was a way to get my kit transported from one place to another and just try and do it with my running kit. You alright, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure? Yeah. Cool. So we're going to press on, nice fast walk as fast as we can, back to Keswick, and then... Uh, Straight down to Bristol, hopefully we uh, will miss some of the traffic. Although, 
I can't imagine that many people will come up to the lakes for this weekend, given what the weather forecast is like. Oh, it's a beautiful day today, there's snow overnight, the hills look amazing. Those guys that are going up to take photos today are going to have a good day, I think we met those guys in the youth hospital. Take some amazing photos. Uh, yeah, it's a very lovely day to be out. I'm sure it'll start raining again soon, because, let's face it, it's the Lake District. So, having got back to Keswick and headed home, you know, we had a chat about what we could do. We were going to do a mm. podcast on all of the bog going round, and the bit that came up was that we still had a really positive experience. Yes. By being in the hills. Yeah. And that, therefore, you can draw lots of positives from something that's unexpected or doesn't go well. Yeah, we still took the conscious decision to achieve things through the weekend. And I think the main lesson we kind of took away was if you're doing a recce, you're not just thinking about it from a competitor perspective. You've got to think about it from a race director perspective. And I don't mean to mean a recce. I mean, anytime you're going in the hills or doing training on your own outside of an event, there isn't someone overseeing the whole safety. There aren't checkpoints there aren't people ready to take you and put you into a car or keep you warm there isn't somebody assessing the state on various hills you're about to approach and deciding to reroute the course you've got that responsibility to do it yourself for you and your colleagues there you can't just think of it with the just go I'm just going to race and someone will stop me if it's not safe absolutely and that takes time so you're going to go slower and it also means more equipment so you're going to go slower so you've got to factor that in massively into what you're doing and and either work waves around it so you can be lighter and faster or accept that you're going to be slower and heavier yeah and I think that's for me I guess we knew that already but it's when you experience it Mm. you really realise the difference that it makes to your running where Mm. you can't just be head down and running yeah and it reiterates the point I think we made in the last couple of podcasts about spine about you've got to make some decisions yourself sometimes and you know as much as there are race directors out there they can't be everywhere on the course all the time especially in these long ones it's not yeah. possible so you know it's when experience kicks in and people say actually for whatever reason I'm going to take a slightly different route here and it kind of reiterates that point that you do still have to have the element you can't just crack on all the time so yeah. these experiences of just generally being in the hills is really valuable yes so I think the bit I enjoyed most of the weekend, or the times I enjoyed it most, was when I knew that we had contingency plans in place. Yeah. And all of those contingency plans were going to be good and positive things for me to do. Mm. And I was going to enjoy doing them. And so knowing that whatever happened, I'd get something good from it, allowed me to enjoy all of it. Because we've talked before about uncertainty. In a race, you want to be concentrated on the things you need to concentrate on. Mm. And what you don't need is that nagging doubt in the back of your mind, that uncertainty distracting you and taking your thought process away from the things you really need to concentrate on. Yeah. And when you don't have contingency, and so all the back of your mind, you're having to think, oh, well, what, what's going to happen? And what might I do? If you've got those contingency plans laid out, and you can think, right, if it doesn't happen here, we'll do this. Yeah. If this doesn't happen, we'll do this. Yeah. And equally, in terms of contingency, it kind of is kit as well, isn't it? We, we were comfortable on day two because we hadn't used all the equipment at our disposal. We were, you know, we, we had reserve you don't push on where all you've got left is your emergency kit. Yes, yeah. Not in that situation. No. So it kind of reflected that we did make the right decision. Yes, of course we did. Yeah. But at the same time, it is difficult. But by having, again, going back to if you've got a contingency plan that's a positive one, 
Yes. It's a lot easier to make that decision yes. than to go, oh, well, I'm just going to quit mm. and feel like you've quit and lost out and yes. not achieved anything. Yeah. When I DNF'd at Lulworth Cove last year, mm. I felt comfortable doing it because I realised I was taking positives from it. Mm. If it just felt like I was quitting and got nothing from it, it would have really been a lot harder to quit and also it would have gripped me and upset me for a lot longer. Yeah. Taking positives from any experience you have combats the upset of not doing what you set out to do in the first place. Yeah. And I guess there's a balance in the races, isn't it? About having different plans for the race, but also not letting those plans be an excuse to drop down to a low level objective. Yes. But but to just have an A objective and no B and C objectives means if you fall off of that, you just kind of give up or, you you know, it all comes too much and you just stop when really you could have achieved lots of good things still. So having a, not endless options, but having, having a number of objectives is beneficial. Correct. Uh, that you still get positives out of what you're doing. Yeah. You've been in races where a lot of people pulled out where I think that's because they only had an A objective and they weren't follow, they weren't meeting that A objective. So it was kind of like, right, give up time and actually they could have, could have still finished. Not, you know, a number of them, I think, and it just wasn't happening the way they wanted it to happen. Yeah. And, and don't get, you know, same's happened to me as well in the past. So I think it's, there's a lot of benefit in having a, having a range of objectives, making sure everything you do has that. And I think that's where we went slightly wrong on this one. We didn't have necessarily fallback options fully. Not on day one. Yeah. No. After day one, when we, we realised <laughs> we needed to do that, we did. And we enjoyed the other days much more because yes. of it. Yeah, yeah. It felt like we achieved what we wanted to do. So it felt like a success. Correct. On day two. Um, in particular so look I hope our experience makes you think about the things that you're going to do and I hope you have positive experiences even when it goes wrong we've got the Felsman coming up next month five weeks five weeks time the weather can be extremely variable Mm. on the run you found that out three years ago three years ago yeah Um, it was icy at the top of Ingleborough and then um, quite wet and quite cold at night very icy but what we won't have to worry about is checking course safety making sure these things are there so all we've got to do is run checkpoint to checkpoint yeah and we know pretty much what gear works in wet weather so bring it on yes exactly <laughs> that's another thing that was, yeah this record is brilliant for testing all our gear for helsman yes so I hope you've enjoyed the episode and I'm sure Faye hopes you've enjoyed the episode too. yes absolutely uh, so let us know and let us know what you'd like us to talk about you can email us we are runnersontrail at gmail.com you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at runnersontrail you're getting so good at that now uh, and we will be back soon but we just don't know when Runners on trail.